Hey, and thanks for tuning in. At Northgate, we're passionate about helping people become who God purposed them to be. We hope that this message encourages and blesses you today. Stay tuned after for more ways to connect. Today, uh, we are wrapping up our three-week series, our three-week study of the book of Jude. It's a tiny little New Testament book, uh, second-to-last book in the Bible. And to be honest, it's kind of a harsh little book when you get down to it. One preacher called it a fiery cross to provoke the church. And if you've been here the past couple of weeks, my guess is you have been provoked a little I know I have. I mean, this has been tough for me as I've prepared these messages week after week. I've cried out to God, honestly. I've said, seriously, seriously, Lord, you want me to say that. But now, uh, today, we turn a corner, and I really wanted to finish this message series, even though I can't be with you in person, because I wanted to turn the corner with you. Because you see, after the thunder and lightning of judgment in Jude comes the gentle summer rain. Up until this point, Jude has been busy denouncing false teaching. There were people in the first century teaching that God only cares about the spirit, not the body, which means basically you can do whatever you want to do in the body, and God doesn't care. Eat, drink, be merry, all that. And while Jude sits down to write an encouraging letter, the Holy Spirit has a different agenda. The Holy Spirit urges Jude instead to address the elephant in the room, to address this false teaching because there's an appetite for it, and it's growing. People like false teaching. So Jude sits down to write this difficult letter, but then in verse 20... He switches gears. He goes from addressing the unfaithful, people who are teaching things and practicing things that just aren't true, to the faithful, people like you and me, who are trying our best to follow Jesus, albeit poorly. And today, Jude's going to talk about how to avoid false teaching. And the good news is, it's far simpler than you think. You're going to be encouraged today, I promise you. Let me pray as we begin. Father in heaven, we thank you for our fathers today. I am especially grateful for my father. And I thank you for sparing his life. Bless him and heal him. And bless every father hearing this message today. And now to Jude, this has been a tough book, but it's your book, Lord. So we learn from it, and we have learned big time. Send your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, on each one of us today, even in this venue. Encourage us no matter what's going on. Encourage us in spades, Lord. We need encouragement. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get started. Jude, verse 20. Jude 20. But you, dear friends, Jude writes... By building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, 
Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. You, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the one holy faith. There's one faith, Jude says. We've talked about that before. There's one Holy Spirit, Jude says. Receive him as you pray. And then that little phrase, I love that little phrase, but it may be confusing at first. Jude writes, keep yourselves in God's love. I heard a story this week about a father and a son. One warm summer afternoon, they took a walk together, only they didn't take the usual path. Well, about halfway through the walk, the father asks his son, son, do you know where we're at? Do you know the way home? I have no idea, dad, the son responded. Well, sounds like you're lost, the dad quipped. The son's response, oh, dad, I can't be lost. I'm with you. How do we avoid false teaching? Jude says we keep ourselves in God's love. We keep ourselves in the Father's love. That's my first point. And by keep, I don't mean earn, okay? Because you and I, no matter how hard we try, cannot earn God's love. I I think about my dad, and again, pray for my dad, please. Pray for me. But he loved me long before I ever loved him. The same is true with God. We, we, we sometimes sing around here, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And we don't. Think of the story of the prodigal son. The, the son squanders his early inheritance on wild living. He rejects his father's love, and yet his father welcomes him back at the end. And that's because his father loves him unconditionally. That hasn't changed. That's never changed in the course of the story. What's changed is the son's response. For a season, the son did not receive. He was not willing to receive the father's love. Now he is. Think of it in a different way. If, it, if it's a sunny day, you can't keep the sun from shining, can you? It'll shine whether you want it to shine or not, but you can shade yourself from the sun. You can hide from the sun. And that's why Jude says, he he says, don't shade yourself. He says, keep yourselves in God's love. If we want to avoid false teaching, if we want to keep on becoming the people God purposed us to be, we've got to be open to receiving that love too. We got to make ourselves open and available to God. And how do we do that? It's simple. We go to church, right? We pray. We read scriptures, we hang out with like-minded people who encourage us, who help us find Christ, and in doing so, we avoid the entanglements of sin. Keep yourselves in God's love. Again, it bears repeating, that doesn't mean keep yourself in a place where God will love you. You know, it means keep yourself in a place where you can experience the benefit of God's love. One theologian put it this way, to keep oneself in God's love is to stay where God can love us as his children, which he already does love us, but where we can receive his love, where where he can shower upon us, this theologian writes, all the gifts of love that he has for us, where he can shower upon us all the gifts that he has for us, his children. And children thrive when they're loved. But the moment a child rejects his parents' love, he gets stunted, doesn't he? 
We often call it the teenage years. Same with Christ. Listen to me. God loves you. I've told you before, he not only loves you, but he likes you. So make use of that love. Be open to that love. That's what Jude is saying. He's saying that love will change you, and it's changed me. Some of you know my little ritual every morning when I wake up. One of the first things I say is thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Because just knowing that, just knowing that Jesus loves me, despite how the day before went down, despite what happened that evening, despite what the day ahead may hold, and these days I have no idea what the next day will hold, I still know deep in my core that Jesus loves me. Like the father walking with his son, no matter how disoriented, no matter how confused I may be, I will never be lost because I'm with him. And so when false teaching comes knocking at your door, and it will, when the enemy tries to pull you away from God, even if he succeeds for a season, which he will at times, Jude says, just know God still loves you. Don't give up on that relationship. No, keep yourselves in God's love. A number of you will do that in a sense next weekend at our baptisms at Lake George. God's been doing something new in you. You want to celebrate that. You want to say to, to the world, Jesus loves me. Me. By the way, as you know, it's not too late, if you or your loved one want to be baptized, or if you want to affirm your baptism, even if you've already been baptized as an infant or a, a child or, or earlier in life, maybe you walked away from the Lord, but now you're back with the, the Lord. If you want to celebrate what God is doing in you, you can do that next Sunday afternoon. Martin Luther, the church reformer, said that we can remember our baptisms every single day. So sign up online or at the welcome desk. There's a picnic to everyone, whether you're getting baptized or not. This is a, an, an event, an all-church event for everyone. And if you are SVP, there's a special drawing, which we'll have at the picnic. So an all-church picnic with baptisms. But whatever you do, Jude says, keep yourself in God's Love, that's my first point. Next point, keep one another in God's love. We've already touched on this a little. How do we avoid false teaching? By surrounding ourselves with others. We need each other. That's why we're having an old church picnic next weekend. It's, it's no fun going alone. That, that's why we're sponsoring this run. I, I, I can, cannot tell you in this moment of crisis for my family how important it has been for me to be surrounded by the body of Christ, to, to be surrounded by the saints here at Northgate. And not even at Northgate, there are people in England praying and people in Ethiopia praying and people all throughout the United States praying for my dad and praying for me and my family. We can't follow Jesus by ourselves, no matter how hard we try, and I've tried. My guess is you have too. Verse 22, Jude writes, Be merciful to those who doubt. 
Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. In those verses, Jude lists three different categories of people. Uh, you know, people who need people, to quote Barbara Streisand, if you remember who she is. But first, those who doubt. I hope you laughed at that joke. And, 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 and by that, by those who doubt, I, I, I mean... I, I, I think Jude means new believers. Now, I have to say, there is nothing more refreshing than a new believer. And we have lots of newborns around here at the church. And, and I, I love you. You are excited, and you are motivated, and you're going to change the world. But at the same time, you're very vulnerable. You waver. If you have a good day, maybe you say, God loves me. But if you have a bad day, well, let's say I'm not so sure about that. Jude says, we've got to be merciful to those who doubt. And the only way we can be merciful to those who doubt is by being together. And so here's my challenge. If you're new in Christ, find a mentor. Ask someone to mentor you. I've been following Christ for almost 25 years now. I still have a mentor, and I learn from him all the time. Now, if you ask someone and they say no, which sometimes they will. Don't, don't sweat it because it, that, that's not about you. It's not a reflection on you. It's, it's about them in most cases. They oftentimes don't feel worthy enough to mentor you. So if they say no, hang out with them then. Help them. Spend time with them. And, and what, here's what will happen. They will mentor you without even knowing it. They won't even realize they're mentoring you. But mature Christians, I want to speak to you as well. You should be mentoring someone too, all of you. Now, you don't have to walk up to someone after the service today and say, hey, buddy, God's put it on my heart to mentor you. It can be formal, and, and, and sometimes it's super helpful to, to be formal and to say this is what we're going to do, but it doesn't have to be. Again, just spend time with people. Ask the Holy Spirit how he wants you to guide your conversation with this person. Go to coffee, talk about life, talk about God, pray together, and they will learn from you. But be patient Whatever you do, because one of the things that accompanies excitement and motivation and wanting to change the world is sometimes a know-it-all attitude, and no one thinks he knows more oftentimes than a new Christian. I, I remember one guy who got angry at me in a message I, because I, I, I mentioned I was going to see the newest Star Wars movie. And this was years ago. And after church, he confronted me. And he told me he didn't like that. And Star Wars is evil and, and so on. But just six weeks earlier, I mean, the irony is just six weeks earlier, I had led him to the Lord. And now, after only six weeks of following Christ, he was teaching me. It, it, it just goes with the territory. And that's why Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt Next category, save others by snatching them from the fire. Some Christians like to play awfully close to the fire. You know who you are. 1 Corinthians 10 says, I have the right to do anything. And uh, some people, they take that to heart. They really do. But they, they forget the second half of the verse where it says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Well, in Jude's day, is, in Jude's day my guess is, a number of people were playing a little too close to the fire. They were still in church, perhaps, but at the same time, they were also flirting with false teaching. And Jude says, snatch them. Snatch them out. 
Earlier in the series, we talked about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot, who escapes the destruction of those cities with his family, isn't sure he wants to go. So what does the angel do? He, he snatches him. He, he grabs him and takes him by force, basically. Let's go, he says. And sometimes, sometimes we need to do the same in the church. The other day I talked to someone about something happening in his life, a conflict, and i got to be honest, boy, did I let him have it. But I let him have it because I knew he could take it. He, he was at that level of maturity. He, he knows better. I, I don't talk to new believers that way necessarily, but I do talk to established believers that way. I think of Jonathan Edwards uh, in, in, in the 18th century. Maybe you've heard of him. He, he preached an infamous message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And you, you think these messages on Jude have been tough, fire and brimstone. Let me tell you, they have not been tough. I mean, here's just one line from his message, one excerpt. The devil stands waiting for you, he said, like hungry, like greedy, hungry lions that see their prey and expect to have it. That's Jonathan Edwards. Tough stuff, but it worked. Preaching that tough message launched in part what's called the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening in this country, a period of revival, hundreds upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of people coming to Christ here in the States it, 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 and elsewhere. It laid the groundwork in this country for the abolition of slavery, even. But it was a tough message that, that, that he gave. So my point is sometimes, and you know this, sometimes, each one of us, we need a good kick in the rear now, no one should enjoy kicking, uh, uh, okay? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I mean, if you're saying right now, oh, yeah, Steve, let him have it. No, no, that, if that's you, if that's what you're thinking, this message is not for you. Ignore what I just said. Go back to the other verses. Be merciful to those who doubt. But, but sometimes, Minnesota, passive, aggressive behavior, sometimes we've got to quit beating around the bush. And Jude says that's, how we keep one another in God's love. Be merciful to those who doubt, save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, the third category, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupted flesh. Literally, show mercy mixed with caution. In other words, don't see any one person. Don't see any one false teacher as the enemy. Really, they are victims of the enemy. But at the same time, at the same time, be careful when you're with them. Again, 1 Corinthians 10, if you think you are standing firm, be careful you yourself don't fall. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've tried to influence others and they have actually ended up influencing me and not for the better. I didn't change them. They changed me. Well, people say, you know, well, I still go to the bar because people need me there. Okay, yes, I get your point, but they don't need you if you're drunk. And many times when people say things like that, that's what they're doing. You're getting drunk, and you're not helping anyone. You're only fooling yourself. I remember I had a friend years ago struggling with promiscuity, a great evangelist. He was very charming, always talking about the Lord, but he lived literally right above the hottest hookup bar in town. 
And he'd always make the same excuse, make up the same excuse that he was going down there to do ministry. Well, nine times out of ten, he didn't get any ministry done at all, but he did get lucky. Not a good plan. Jude writes, show mercy mixed with caution. Try to help people who are far from God. Of course, that's in your job description. That's in my job description as Christ followers. But make sure you stay close to God at the same time. And don't get your garments dirty. That's a ceremonial thing. That's a Jewish Hebrew thing. If a person became unclean, they'd have unclean garments and have to change. So how do we avoid false teaching? We keep ourselves in the love of God. We keep one another in the love of God. We cheer each other on. We hold each other accountable. We are the company we keep. And finally, my third point, God keeps us in his love. And here's where it gets really, really good. Verse 24, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. This whole letter, Jude, has been railing against these false teachers and the people who follow them. They don't do what, they, what God wants them to do. They do what they want to do. They pretend to love God, but in essence, Jude says, they, in, in, in reality, they really don't. And all of us at one point or another have probably thought during the course of that series, this series that we've been in, is that me? Or, or thinking about false teaching, what if this happens to me? What if I take the wrong path and end up far from God? And Jude says at the end, and this is so encouraging, Jude says, God will keep you. He'll keep you. And now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is able to keep you from stumbling into sin. Now, not entirely, obviously, because we don't always cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The only person who ever did that was Jesus. But obviously, we, we, we cooperate more and more the longer we follow Christ day by day. The Holy Spirit keeps us from stumbling. Think of it this way. I have four kids. They all learned to walk. The girl walked early. The boys walked late. You know, even when they couldn't walk, the boys, I still loved them. Right? Even, even when I had to teach them to walk. And they would fall. I, I, I'd still love them. But as they would start to fall, oftentimes I would catch them. And that's how it is with God. God wants to teach you to walk. Yes, yes, you're going to mess up, but don't resign yourselves to messing up. Yes, you're going to get off track. Of course you will. The devil will entice you, and then he will condemn you. But don't resign yourself to failure, because God will never leave you or forsake you. The Bible says God's got your back. He keeps you, Jude says. Not only does he keep you, but one day, verse 24, and this is what we're working toward, he'll present you to the Father before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Without fault. I want you to think, think about that. Wow. Because we've all got faults. We've all got them. 
But here's the hope. Jude says, because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and interceding for you and interceding for me, somehow in some way, Jesus is making us faultless. And one day, once and for all, here's what we have to look forward to. One day, he will make us, each one of us who are in Christ, faultless before the Father. You know, we all have that recurring nightmare. We get to the judgment day and God shows a video presentation of all the stupid things we've done in our lives and it's so embarrassing. Listen to me, not your video. Now, your video has been edited. It's gone from mature audiences only to rated G. It's family friendly. All the bad stuff has been taken out. Not because we love God, but because he loves God. Us. And you see, that's our hope. That's what we're pressing toward. One day we will be done with all of this nonsense in this world. One day we will be done with all of the pain that we cause in this world. And we will be faultless. And faultless means to be without defect. To be without blemish. To be acceptable in God's sight. And God is making each one of us faultless. Even today. Little by little in our behaviors, faultless. It's the same word that Peter uses to describe, to describe Jesus, the Lamb of God. But because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we're going to be faultless like him. And that hope of a real future in God is what distinguishes us from the world. Ask most people, will you spend eternity with God? And they'll say, well, that depends. I hope so, but I'm not sure. But, well, Jude says, we can be sure. We can be sure. I think about my dad. I, I, I've talked to him recently. I, mean, I, I haven't been expecting him to die, and I, I'm praying that he won't die. But, but he has told me repeatedly in the last several years how he is not afraid to die, how he looks forward to death, how he doesn't doubt when it comes to death. He knows this, that reality that we see is not reality, that Christ is the real reality. And I feel so sorry for people who grow old without the Lord. I mean, what do they have? They have nothing to look forward to, nothing, just memories. And a lot of the memories aren't that good, right? But as Christ followers, we have more than that. No matter what happens in the past, good or bad, we know the best is yet to come. And that same Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, who keeps us from stumbling into false teaching, who keeps us from stumbling into sin, will present us before God at the end, without fault and with great joy. Hallelujah. I stumbled myself upon a letter written to a pastor by an elderly man, and it has new meaning for me as I preach this message. I thought I'd close with it today. Here's what he wrote. Dear Pastor, next Sunday you were to talk about heaven. Oh, how I'm interested in that land because I've had a clear title to a bit of property there for more than 55 years now. I didn't buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at a tremendous sacrifice. I am not holding it for speculation since the title is not transferable and it is not a vacant lot. No, for more than a half a century I have been sending materials out of which the great architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me. 
a home which will never be remodeled or repaired because it will suit me perfectly individually and will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundations for they rest upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks nor bolts will ever be placed on its doors for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands, now almost complete and almost ready for me to enter in and abide in peace eternally without fear of being rejected. In the meantime, there's a valley of deep shadow between the place where I live now and that to which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home, that city of God, without passing through this valley of shadow, but I am not afraid because the best friend I ever had went through that same valley long, long ago and drove away all its gloom. He has stuck by me through thick and thin. Since we first became acquainted more than 55 years ago, and I hold his promise in printed form, never to forsake me or leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of deep shadow, and I shall not lose my way when he is with me. The man continues, Pastor, I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, no permit for baggage. Yet I am all ready to go, and I may not be here while you're talking next Sunday, but I shall meet you there someday. And you see, that's why we reject false teaching. And that's how. We keep ourselves in God's love. We keep ourselves available to God's love. We keep one another in God's love. And most importantly, and most encouraging, no matter what's going on, God keeps us in his love. We've all got faults all of us. We are all in some way, even me, prone to false teaching. One day we won't be. One, way, one day we will not have to distinguish between what is true and what is false because we will only be surrounded by truth. And I can't wait for that day. And my guess is if you are far from God, you maybe want this too and you can have it. You can have it. You don't have to wait until you clean your life up before you come to God. Nope, just come to God as you are. Come to Jesus. And what Jude says is he will take care of things from there. He will change you. He will keep you from stumbling. And the good news is Jesus can be yours. One day, new life, new bodies, a new home. But until then, God keeps us. See, I told you, encouraging. Jesus loves you, and I love you. All right, thanks for watching. Want to let you know about two things you can do. First, follow us on Vimeo or iTunes so you don't miss a single message. Better yet, join us in person Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11. 
And second, if you're feeling this ministry and want to help advance the mission of helping people become who God purposed them to be, you can click the link to give. Your generosity brings hope, healing, and radical transformation to people all over the world. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.